Hi everyone, it's lovely to see you. I think most of you know that I'm Lulu. I'm an artist, I'm married to Tim, I'm mother to Evangeline, and it is great to be with you all this evening. Um, as we begin this new service, I was thinking, I want us to all be equipped with what God has for us here in Bow in this season. And as individuals in our workplaces, in our streets where we live, at our universities, and as a community for all God has for us in Bow. And I think the stuff God has for us is, is so big, but also even the small things are sometimes too big for us. We can't do this on our own. We can't do most of life actually on our own. Like the Christian life, God's call for us as individuals is often too big. It's hard literally to love people, it's hard. So like on a Zoom meeting when someone's microphone's too loud or they're the person who's always taking over and always inter interrupting, it's hard to love people. Or at the coffee counter when someone's always leaving the washing up or you're the one who just wants to leave the washing up undone and someone else is annoyed with you. Or meeting the person who always talks over you in meetings. To be all God for us is hard when your hair's sticking up, when your fly's undone, when the inside of your mask smells. Even the most functional of us can find it hard when others mess up or make mistakes. And we're too harsh on ourselves and on other people. And then our dreams for Bo are really big. What might we want to see happen while worshiping here? Some of the prayers that we've been praying in the last week, welcoming young people caught up in gangs, ex-offenders, families who are finding life tricky, the street community in Bo who often sleep in this garden, for, to welcome lonely people. Actually, all of that is too much for us on our own. It's an amazing idea. These are such incredible thoughts, aren't they? But it is far too big for us. First of all, we need God's mercy, we need his grace, his forgiveness, his kindness, and that's actually the joy of Christianity. What joy to believe in a God who saves us from ourselves, who's so merciful to us, who's so kind, who says it's okay to be average, to mess up. But also there's a way of knowing his beauty in our lives too. We need God's presence and his power to fill us, to equip us. And when his presence comes, that's when our wildest dreams and our smallest ones are made possible because his presence changes us and it changes things around us. As we get filled, step by step, moment by moment, things change. And we become the kind of people who see brilliance in the person who has left their washing up for us, who laugh when we might feel shame about the smell inside our mask or the fact that our flies are undone. And we might know the depths of healing and forgiveness so today I want us to equip us to take hold of this God who fills us with his presence and to be containers of his presence, to learn about him and make space for him to move in our lives and in our community and in this environment. So I want to talk about the Holy Spirit, how we can be filled with his presence in a way that sustains this kind of life that we dream of. And not just in one moment, but continuously, how can we live a life full of his presence? So it's the Holy Spirit who does this. The Holy Spirit is one of the three parts of God. He's a person, he's not an atmosphere or a vibe. He can't be commanded or cajoled or told what to do. And when you speak to the Spirit, you're speaking to God, to Jesus, to the Father. And because the Spirit is God, if you know Jesus, you already know the Spirit. And it's only by the Spirit, actually, that we know Jesus. So all Christians have the Spirit living in them. This also means that we'll never experience the Spirit as different from the character of Jesus. 
if you're experiencing something that's different from Jesus, it's probably not the Spirit. And because the Spirit's a person, we're invited to have a relationship with the Spirit. This means knowing him, being filled with him. By the way, actually, I'll use, I'll use the uh, pronoun him, but um, the Spirit is, the word for Spirit is breath, and it's a feminine noun. Um, anyway, that's, that's an aside. But this means knowing the Spirit, being filled with him, is not a one-off payment. It's continuous, like with our friends. We continue to message, to meet up, to WhatsApp, to go for coughing or bowling, I love bowling, or whatever you do. And with the Spirit, we continue to get to know him. So the Spirit looks just like Jesus. To find out what the Spirit's like, we look at Jesus. Jesus was baptized and filled with the Spirit. And in his first public talk, he, this is so badass, he went in, he picked up a scroll, and he read this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to bring the lost home, those who were far from him, to bring them back into relationship with God, to establish justice, to liberate people in captivity, to heal the earth, and a whole host of other extraordinary things, like healing, prophecy, the presence of the miraculous, like the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus' presence is present in power, extraordinary things happen. And this is because the Spirit is a deposit. It's basically tying us to the end of time when everything will be made new, when there'll be no sickness, crying, or pain. Revelation 21 talks about this. And so when we act in the power of the Spirit, we're bringing this perfect, completed order into the present now, into our lives now. And that's when we start seeing people get healed emotionally, physically, lives transformed, debts repaid, people forgiven, estranged families reconciled, lonely people included. I've written almost extinct animals thriving, that too. This is not just about our hearts and bodies, but actually the whole of creation benefits when we call on the name of God, when we put ourselves in the position where his spirit can fill us. Society and culture also gets transformed. Melodies and books and film scripts and policies are written. Medicines are developed and distributed. And sometimes in a moment, sometimes very slowly, the whole of, of creation gets transformed day by day. And God's people look more like Jesus day by day. You see some of this actually around us anyway. In secular organizations, you see this beauty and this extraordinary goodness working out. There's always God's life leaking in around us into his creation. But there is an extraordinary calling that Christians have to be filled with God, to intentionally partner with him. And it's so beautiful. Isn't that amazing that that's our calling as the people of God to do all these things? And at this church, at Bow Church, we long to see our activities impact the lives of people around us and this community. Services are great. They're fine but we long for so much more than services. These are the places where we gather to be filled and then to go and see this life spring up around us. And so we don't just pray little prayers and hope that someone else will come along like a charity or something like that, but we want to be part of the answer. Although those other things are really, really good, don't get me wrong, and we can't do everything. 
but we want to be part of the answer. We want to build the kind of community where people from every kind of background, race, creed can find home. And this is far too big for us. It is far too big for us. We can never do that on our own. It's only possible with the Spirit's power breathing through us. So, very practically, what does being filled with the Holy Spirit look like? Through the Bible, the Spirit fills particular people for particular times and particular purposes. Then at Pentecost, which is what Chantal just read about in Acts 2, um, the Spirit is poured out. So this is, Jesus has died. He's been risen from the dead. He comes and hangs out with his disciples for a while. He eats with them. And then the Spirit is poured out on them. It says this, Suddenly the sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When God turns up like this, when he invades his creation, strange things happen. There's this thing about wind, fire, strange languages. And then later, people think that the disciples are drunk. It's all quite weird. Something strange is going on with heat, language, and bodies. But I think it would be a bit odd if God didn't get involved with his creation. What kind of God would say, I love you, and then stand around the corner, maybe like scrolling on WhatsApp or having a cigarette? And it would be weird if it wasn't weird, I think. The God of the universe meeting his creation, meeting people who snort when they laugh and trip over when they walk. I often trip over when they walk. When the creator of the universe decides to invade his creation, you'd hope it would be a bit weird. We need to remember that when we're filled with the Spirit, it's this extraordinary energy and power, the same that raised Jesus from the dead. So sometimes physical things happen. Sometimes people move a bit. They might get a bit emotional, experience heat. Sometimes there's all sorts of other things, but sometimes people might experience very little. But this is all the Lord moving, because when we ask, he acts. We just need to remember he's very good, and it's all about him. It's not about what it looks like or the gifts themselves. It's all about him. And what's going on when he's doing this? He's healing hearts and bodies. He's equipping us to love. He's giving us strategies for culture and business and politics. Now that's great. The disciples were filled with the presence of God and it was like God sneezed and the church was born. And it was this random first century Jewish sect that now Christianity basically covers like a third of the earth call themselves Christians. But it wasn't just one moment. The Apostle Paul talks about going on being filled. In Ephesians 5, he says, be filled. And it's, anyway, it's essentially go on being filled. So we know Jesus when we've, when we've got this, when we know Jesus, we've got the Spirit living in us. But there is this sense of the Spirit throughout the New Testament that there's always more of him to be had. So right now, we're all breathing air. We're breathing lots of nitrogen, some oxygen, some other things. And there's little particles of H2O in the atmosphere. And that's like water as a gas, obviously. We all know this. And then water also runs in tiny streams, but then it flows and flows, and it flows into vast oceans. The Holy Spirit is the same. He's always there, always around us. 
but he seems to fill spaces and increase in quality with his presence. And when he makes himself known in the room, you can't avoid him. The aim is to be constantly full of him, constantly be being filled up, like water being poured into a glass that's constantly being drunk, be constantly full and then constantly leaking, constantly giving out and constantly replenishing. And the more we leak, the more we get filled and we have to go on getting filled. As we do this, we learn to host his presence, to breathe in and then breathe out, to be perpetually drenched constantly in his presence. And when we learn to host his presence, we become people who dwell with him. So there's an opportunity here for us to be people who the spirit constantly lives with and constantly rests on. And so I've come up with, uh, I've got loads, but I'm gonna call six quick tips on how to be people who host God's presence. But quickly, I just wanna talk about my experience of this. So at university, I've grown up in a Christian family. My dad's a vicar. I've always known God in my life, but I think I thought of him often as this kind of distant father. And then um, at uni, I encountered, I met Jesus as, as kind of a friend and it was wild. It was like my life was transformed. It was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Um, it was. And but a few years later, well, I've been, I've been spending time with Christians and hearing them speak about things like hearing God's voice and this idea that you could pray for people and they'd be healed and all sorts of other kind of weird, miraculous things. And then one day at church, some, the pastor was talking about being filled with the Spirit and invited people to come and kneel at the front if they wanted to be filled. So I was like, yes, I want that. So I went to the front and they knelt and nothing happened for a long time. They just said, come Holy Spirit. And then slowly I began to feel this heat filling my body. And then I began to shake a little bit. And it was kind of bizarre, but that just happened. And then as much as I could after that, I would just say, come Holy Spirit, whether it was in my room or wherever I was. And I had experienced this shaking and this heat, which was lovely because I'm always cold and I was living in Scotland and Scotland's freezing. Uh, so this was, this was a great thing that was going on. Um, but with that, I also began to hear God's voice. I began to pray for people to be healed and not see all of them healed, but see quite a few of them healed. I began to see God's power increase. Actually, I was doing an art degree and I was quite bored with my art. I was like, I'd always been good at drawing at school, but I was a bit bored of it. And something happened with my creativity that changed. I literally started using more color. It was like the lights went on and that life went from being gray to technicolor. And so for me, it was this amazing thing. And so from then on, I would just ask God's presence to fill me as much as I could. So my six tips. The first, which is really two, is ask and wait, but they come together. So ask and wait. We need to have this kind of active asking and active waiting. As you ask, you wait. As you wait, you ask. Keep asking. Luke 11 says, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Ask when you're on the tube, when you're at home, on the bus, in your bed. There's no wrong time to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. If you're not bothered about this and not hungry, but you think, oh, it sounds okay, that's all right, but you can ask God to give you hunger for him. You can get hungry and ask and wait to be made hungry for the spirit. 
Now, the bit in Acts before I read, when the Spirit comes, or that um, Chantal read, Jesus says this just before. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Spirit. So they wait in this room together. They're praying. They're probably quite scared because the authorities just killed their friend. And then the Spirit is poured out. That's when the church is born. But their waiting is not passive. They're not standing in a queue like your average British person waiting passively to get to the self-service checkout. It's this kind of active waiting. They aren't bored. So I've been thinking this week about Lionel Messi. He is my footballing dream. If I had a secret gift, this is totally irrelevant to the talk. If I had a secret gift, I'd like to be as good at football as Lionel Messi. He basically, he does his thing. Anyway, he, he's one of the best footballers in the world, possibly top two. Is this right, Sam? Ronaldo. Yeah. Ronaldo, Messi, Messi. Anyway, he was bought by Paris Saint-Germain to win games this last season. He played four games. He didn't score a goal. I think in the fourth game, he finally scored a goal. Imagine being Messi. You're like one of the best players in the world. You've been bought in to score goals for this team and you're not scoring for four matches. He would have been like waiting, waiting, waiting. Like, when's that goal going to come? When's that goal going to come? And then he came. This is the kind of waiting I'm talking about. It's not a passive, placid waiting. It's like, when's it going to happen? When's the spirit coming? When's the spirit coming? This is how the disciples waited. And they were scared. So they were waiting with this desperate attentiveness, with anticipation. They waited on God. And we're not waiting for an event with the Spirit, we're waiting for a person. So it's got the same kind of vibrancy as when you send a text asking for a second date and you're waiting for the reply. Let the Spirit know that you want to know him. The second is welcome him. Imagine what it would be like to welcome your favorite celebrity. I don't know, who's your favorite celebrity? Hmm? Okay, I couldn't hear that. Michelle Obama, maybe. Anyway, uh, you wouldn't throw them in the corner. <laughs> I'll give you Michelle Obama. You wouldn't throw her in the corner. You'd welcome her in. You'd say, I've been waiting to you. Remember, you're hosting God when we're being filled with the Spirit's present. And it's the same with the Spirit. Actively receive them into the room. Don't look for someone else. So wait, welcome, and then waste time in his presence. You can do this at church, but you can also do this on your own at home. Diarize your hunger, wake up early, find time early at work. My friend Lawrence, we were at art school and um, everyone was always going out for cigarettes all the time, all throughout the day. So Lawrence would have his cigarette breaks. He'd take his Bible into a toilet cubicle and literally just kneel on the ground like this for 10 minutes. It was beautiful. Do that, do what Lawrence did. If you've got kids, take five minutes in your car before you get home. If you've got a night in alone, spend it with Jesus. Lie on the floor, kneel, dance, sit, put on worship music. Turn off your phone, leave it in another room. Make time to waste time in his presence. Actively wait on God in silence and stillness. And solitude is really key. I used to spend time at uni when 
you know, you have your day at uni and then we'd be going out to clubs, endlessly going out to clubs. And I would just make sure that I would spend time lying in his presence for like half an hour, 45 minutes, whatever I could snatch before I went out because that was the reality of what I wanted. I fought for his presence and sometimes it cost me stuff. Like I had a really tricky time with some friends. I gave up alcohol for months on end because, which was such a weird thing to do at university. All I wanted to do was to spend time with Jesus. And I'm not remarkable at all. Like <laughs> there's nothing remarkable about that. It was just that God got into my heart and I was so hungry for him. And that was what changed my life, was spending time in his presence. You can be satisfied by Jesus and not by Netflix. That's a reality to spend time in his presence. The fourth is worship. Worship always creates a landing pad for God's presence. So create that landing pad for him. You can praise him, you can use words, you can read the Psalms, Psalm 150 is good. Other ones are less good for worship. But tell him who he is, tell him that he's brilliant. Brilliant, proclaim it. The fifth, this is a slightly odd one, but it's repentance. Knowing the spirit is about knowing God. And sin can sometimes get in the way of us experiencing the fullness of what God has for us. So it can be helpful just to repent, to so just spend some time with God. And actually, we need to do this with God because on our own, we're way too harsh on ourselves or we let ourselves off. But actually, when we spend time asking God, he gives us the right perspective. He tells us the things that we actually need to repent for. So don't overburden this, but just simply when he brings something to mind, say sorry. And the sixth one is join in. So on the streets or at work, if you see him move, join in. The spirit is really compelled by courage. When we're courageous, the spirit joins. It's kind of like jumping off a building and trusting that God's put a net underneath to catch you. So anytime you see his presence, lean in. If you feel his presence when you're walking around or just sense God moving, that's him saying, Oi, I'm about to do something, look out. And the more we actively seek God's presence, often actually on our own, the more we learn what his voice sounds like or what his presence feels like to us. Look out for people to pray for, ask him what he's up to at the start of the day. Sometimes, less now that I've got a daughter because I've got less courageous, but it will come back. I um, look out when I see people who have injuries. I want to go up to them and ask them to pray for them. And the Spirit loves to heal, loves to come in at those moments. So, those are my six points. Join in, repent, worship, welcome him, ask and wait. I think I've missed one. So what do you need to do? We long to see God's presence. So let's get hungry, diarize our hunger, and um, just respond to, get as much prayer as you possibly can. I basically go up in churches where they do sort of altar calls. I basically go up for almost all of them. And Tim is always like, maturity is not going up for every call. And I'm like, no, I'm so hungry. I just want to see more of God. Once when I was a youth leader, they were inviting teenagers to come and give their lives to Jesus. And I found myself at the front and then realized it was like, it was not for me. Anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter what's at stake, not a lot, but actually intimacy with God is at stake, being changed by God, bringing life to our homes, our streets, our places of work, this community and his life to the world. That's what 
this is all for. So let's stand and invite God's presence to come and fill us because that is what he loves to do. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and fill us? And if you feel comfortable, you might just want to put your hands out in front of you. And this is just body language to God. Just letting him know that we love him. And that we're hungry for him. And if you're not hungry for him, that's so fine. If you'd like to be, just let him know you'd like to be. And we're just going to say, come, Holy Spirit. And we'll wait. So come, Holy Spirit. Would you come and fill us now? Come, Holy Spirit. 